The Texas legislature is in session. Will lawmakers vote to ban abortion in Texas? Another Democrat has announced he'll run for president. Senator Joe Biden has a lot to say about his opponents. And how should Christians relate to Muslims? This is Jerry Johnson Live from Criswell College. Join us as we look at today's news from the Christian worldview for Christ and culture. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. I have a dream. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yes. And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. We will not tire, we will not falter, and we will not fail. Welcome to Jerry Johnson Live. For the next hour, this is your place for relevant discussion of topics in the news and in our culture from a Christian perspective. Your host is Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. Later in the show, we'll open the toll-free lines for your questions and comments. You may also email us at talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. Now, here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson. You know, this is an incredibly challenging time for our country because in my view, President Bush has dug America into a very deep hole. This administration's mishandling of the war in Iraq may be the greatest foreign policy disaster of our time. That's Senator Joe Biden, another Democrat, throwing his hat into the presidential ring. Do you agree with him? We'll talk about it later in the program. He's criticizing Hillary. He's criticizing Obama. We'll ask for your calls and your opinion. Also today, police in Great Britain have arrested the ninth person in a terrorism plot. They say the investigation will continue to widen. More from London. The ninth person was arrested almost half a day after the pre-dawn raids that netted the other eight suspects in Birmingham. Assistant Chief Constable David Shaw of the West Midlands Police calls it just the foothills of a major investigation. This remains a dynamic, fluid operation, and this is by no means finished. Police say the suspects were plotting a terrorist abduction. News reports in Britain say the suspects planned to kidnap and behead a British Muslim soldier, then broadcast the whole thing on the internet. Internet. Sky News reports the targeted soldier now has police protection. Melissa Gray, London. All right, folks, a recent poll of British Muslims shows 28% want Britain to become an Islamic state. We're going to talk with an expert at 5.30 about Islam in Great Britain and in America. What is the threat? How should Christians react, Penna? Dr. Johnson, and that's going to be an interesting discussion. Uh, and, you know, a lot of Texans don't know this, but the Texas legislature meets every other year for five months in the odd years. So the legislature is in session right now, and we have a lot of questions about what will be accomplished. With us to discuss this is Kyleen Wright, and Kyleen's been working since her teenage years to protect innocent human life. She is president of the Texas for Life Coalition. Hi, Kyleen. Hi, Tana. Hi, Dr. Johnson. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, you know, we've just read recently that the state of South Dakota, who uh, tried to ban abortion, has actually introduced another ban uh, that's a, not quite as strong. And I'm wondering, in Texas, will we try to ban abortion in any way in this session? Well, 
We do have a trigger ban that's been introduced in both the Senate and the House, and it really is just a restating of our old law, and we need that because most people think that Roe is going to fall, the Supreme Court decision. So a trigger ban means if Roe falls, then abortion is banned. Okay. Yes, and we would just return to our old law and... And that would be the starting ground. Now, we never repealed our law on purpose, and we thought we were okay, but we had a Fifth Circuit uh, court rule that we had repealed that law by implication because we've been regulating abortion. We've already conceded it, which is, is not true, but it does necessitate some kind of clarification for us for, for that day when Roe does fall. Colleen, a lot of people are concerned about embryonic stem cell research, and in Texas we hear people saying things like, if we don't expand funding or if we don't fund embryonic stem cell research in this state, we're going to lose the best minds to other states. What is the legislature expected to do about this? I think the legislature is wisely going to put its money behind adult stem cell research, which doesn't involve um, destroying human life and where all the success to date lies. We have over 72 treatments and cures from adult stem cell research, and we have zero from embryonic stem cell research. So every dollar for embryonic stem cell research is a dollar away from research that's already saving lives. And so we have um, a Governor Perry established a cord blood bank in San Antonio, and I expect that we will see uh, Texas building on that with more money for life-saving adults stem cell research. Colleen, I got very interested in the uh, issue of the human papillomavirus vaccine. In fact, I did an article about it recently. It's up on uh, Baptist Press. And uh, there's a new uh, sort of a, a directive coming out of the Centers for Disease Control saying that young girls should get vaccinated for the human papillomavirus because it prevents cervical cancer. But to me, the issue is that uh, this is a sexually transmitted disease. And should states be looking at requiring 11 and 12 year olds to get this vaccine and what is Texas doing? Well, there is a push, a very, very well-funded push from the drug maker to make this vaccine mandatory in Texas, but you're going to see a strong fight against it because it it does usurp parental rights. And regardless if girls uh, know why they're getting this vaccine or whatever, it's to me like um, a motorcycle rider riding a helmet. It's just very limited protection. It doesn't even purport to protect against all the strains that cause cancer, all the strains of HPV. Um, and it is to mandate it for school attendance. You know, it's, it, it, this would be the first time we've ever done anything like that in this country. This is not something you can innocently catch sitting in class. Um, I guess and not. And there are a lot of people who think it's all about the money. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. We're talking to Kyleen Wright. She's president of the Texans for Life Coalition. Kyleen, I want to go to the other end of life. Uh, some people have looked at Texas as kind of a leader in uh, so-called futile care legislation, end-of-life decisions. As I understand it, we've got laws on the books that actually allow doctors and hospital ethics committees to override family members who want to give food and water to um, folks at the other end of life who are struggling. Is this true? And if it is, can we reverse this law? 
It is true. It's quite shocking, I know. And actually, a doctor from, from Baylor uh, Hospital in Dallas helped engineer this legislation some years ago. And there is going to be a very, very strong effort to reform this. Most, Amer most Texans would be quite shocked to know that their advanced directive can be trumped by a hospital ethics committee and that food and water constitute um, life-sustaining treatment instead of just ordinary care. Kylene, one more topic I want to ask you about, and that has to do with abstinence education in our public schools. We have fought long and hard uh, here in the state of Texas to have a pretty strong law requiring abstinence until marriage to be taught to kids in public schools. Is there a chance that the legislature could either dumb this down or strengthen it? We have a bill doing both. We have a bill that's been filed by a former state school board member who wants to make um, condom and contraception teaching in our schools mandatory. But we have a, also House Bill 11 by Warren Chisholm that would require parental consent, basically, for sex ed. And it has a very strong uh, chance of passing. It has strong support from the Baptists and the Catholics, from parents, from the lieutenant governor and the governor. So I think that we will prevail there, and I'm very excited about what that means. I believe it will totally um, push Planned Parenthood out of our schools. Kylene, right, right now parents have to opt out, opt their child out of sex ed, so you'll automatically get the class if uh, unless the parent opts out? Correct. And you, as a parent, you may never see the notice right. that, that your child has. That's the problem. Colleen Wright, president of Texans for Life Coalition, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for your Thanks. good work, and we hope to have you back. Thank you. Thank you for your good work. All right, folks. Um, let's remember Genesis 126, very clear. Then God said, let us make man in our image. The Imago Dei, the image of God. The difference between a blade of grass and a human being. The human being is made in God's image. The difference between an ape or a chimpanzee, and a human being is the human being bears God's image. Human life is special. Human life is sacred at every age, at every stage, because human beings mirror God. They represent God. They resemble God. Human beings are made in God's image. And we need to stand up for the sanctity of innocent human life from the beginning to the end. And we're grateful for groups like Presence. Texans of uh, Texans for Life Coalition and President Kylene Wright. Well, let I'm thinking about the president, folks. The president of the United States in 2008. Who is it going to be? An issue that all the Democratic hopefuls seem to be raising is the war in Iraq. It's an unpopular war right now, no doubt about it. And it seems to me, Penna, they're trying to make hay. They're trying to capitalize on this. They're trying to politicize this war. And uh, I want us to listen to three of these candidates, because they're all talking about setting some kind of an artificial deadline to bring these, troop out, these troops out. We start with Barack Obama. He says his withdrawal timeline is in two years. This plan would not only place a cap, on the number of troops in Iraq and stop the escalation. More importantly, it would begin a phased redeployment of U.S. forces with the goal of removing all U.S. combat forces from Iraq by March 31st, 2008. March 31st, 
Actually, that's a year, not two years. Why not March 30th? Why not March 29th? Will the conditions on the ground make any difference at all? Why not April 1st, April Fool's Day? That might be appropriate. It's uh, no wonder to me that uh, Senator Biden has said, you know, uh, Obama has nice style and charisma, but he's a lightweight on foreign policy. You don't go around announcing troop withdrawals on an artificial date in a, in a time of war. What kind of commander-in-chief would do that? Well, the artificial timeline policy. It seems popular, but here's Tony Blair, Prime Minister of Great Britain, on the artificial timeline. That would send the most disastrous signal to the people that we are fighting in Iraq. It is a policy that, whatever its superficial attractions may be, is actually deeply irresponsible. All right. Well, even though Biden has been critical of Obama, let's hear Senator Joe Biden saying what he would do if he is president of the United States. For the next president of the United States is going to have to be prepared to immediately step in and act without hesitation to end our involvement in Iraq without further destabilizing the Middle East and the rest of the world. All right. Immediately step in. And withdraw, well, that is a two-year commitment right there. If that's what he believes, the new president has to immediately step in and do it. And let's go on to Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton, uh, listen to this report. Listen carefully to this news report. She says, we got to get these troops out before President Bush is out of office. After again being questioned about her vote authorizing the war, Clinton criticized the president for already saying his successor will also have to deal with it. I think it's the height of irresponsibility, and I really resent it. Clinton blasted what she called the ill-conceived plan the president has used in fighting the war. And we should expect him to extricate our country from this before he leaves office. In answering another question, the senator said she has the character and toughness to be president. Jerry Bodlander at Davenport, Iowa. Does Hillary Clinton have the character? Does she have the toughness? When we come back, we want your calls, 800-881-9270. Do you agree with Obama, with Biden, with Hillary in setting a one-year deadline or a two-year deadline? Do you agree with a March 31st deadline, 2008? Or do you think April Fool's Day is more appropriate? 800-881-9270. We want your opinion. We want your calls. We want your questions. And then we're going to look seriously at the candidacy of Obama, of Biden, of Hillary Clinton. There's new news today. Call us. If you're looking for a college experience that is distinctively Christian, come to Criswell College. Contact us today for information about the upcoming term. Criswell College places a strong emphasis on the Word of God, a Christian worldview, and being an effective witness to a world that needs Jesus Christ. Criswell College is totally committed to the Bible as the authoritative, inspired, and inerrant Word of God to ensure that every student receives a solid biblical and doctrinal foundation. Our worldview approach to ministry prepares every Criswell College student to view each academic discipline through a Christian frame of reference and to engage our culture in the world of ideas from a Christian perspective. Along with his word and worldview emphasis, each Criswell College student gets hands-on ministry training in missions and evangelism to be an effective witness through mission trips at home and abroad. Contact Criswell College today for information about the upcoming term. Call 1-800-899-0012 or on the web go to criswell.edu. That's chriswell.edu.
You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. Today in Iraq, we sadly find ourselves at the very point I feared when I opposed giving the president the open-ended authority to wage this war in 2002. All right, that's Senator Barack Obama. He's running for president of the United States. And all of a sudden, coinciding with his campaign for president, he's decided now is the time to get serious about Iraq and to do something new and to do something big. And he has proposed bringing all the troops back by March 31st, not March 30th, not March 29th, March 31st, 2008. What's so important about that date? Here is Prime Minister of Great Britain in the House of Commons, Tony Blair, responding. That would send the most disastrous signal to the people that we are fighting in Iraq. It is a policy that, whatever its superficial attractions may be, is actually deeply irresponsible. Well, he's responding to the idea of artificial deadlines, not to Barack Obama, but uh, he is responding to his critics in the Commons that want to propose a date this fall, actually, for artificial uh, timetable uh, of withdrawal, Penna. He does have critics there in Great Britain. Uh, and, uh, you know, we've uh, talked about this poll of British Muslims that shows 28% want Britain to become an Islamic state. That's the atmosphere there. That poll also says 68% thinks that think that Brits who insult Muslims should be arrested and prosecuted. So, you know, we've got to think about our policies, not only uh, abroad, but also at home. We're going to talk about that in the next segment. Yes, at 530, uh, a new terror plot foiled in Great Britain, mm -hmm. and we'll be talking with an Islamo-terrorism expert about that. Don't miss it coming up in 15 minutes. But right now, do you agree with the artificial timetable put forth by Clinton, by Biden, by Obama? We've got Jeff on the line from Dallas. Jeff, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Yes, Dr. Johnson. Thank you for your service to the community. Um, I think we have to, before we can answer that, we have to understand the big picture why we're over there. We can't understand the specifics of the timetable unless we know why we are there. And um, the main thing is, you know, we, we, have to, we have to control that oil because if that is where China gets their oil. China controls the U.S. debt. If they don't continue to fund us yearly, we'll go bankrupt. We're trying to control China. This whole thing is about China. And the second point is love. You know, all these people say they want to get tough. Well, the toughest thing there is is the adamant of love. God is love, and that's the strongest force there is. We must insist on fairness and being loving. And, and that does you know, maybe a kind of tough love as well. Uh, but the first thing has got to be love and have a big picture. Thank you, Jeff, for that call. So Jeff believes that China is the end game here and hmm. that we've got to control this oil. Now, I will say this. China is using a lot of oil and more and more every day as they get more and more industrialized and uh, advanced. And, of course, Jeff thinks that God is love is a theme here. And certainly I would agree that God is love. And God is so loving that he wants to protect us from ourselves. He wants to protect us from the sin uh, nature, the sin consequence, particularly in terms of society. He gives us government, the power of the sword, which the president has the authority to wield to protect us from the evildoers. So love, sometimes love is tough. And I think he mentioned that. Well, we've sort got of a, a balance between love and justice also. Yes. 800-881 is the number. 9270. 800-881-9270. We've got George on the line from Joshua. George, what's your comment? 
I'd like you to take my call, Dr. Johnson. Uh, I have two boys that are in the military right now. One of them has already been over to Iraq. And I personally think it would, would be a very serious mistake to pull out until the job is done. Uh, we made that mistake once in Vietnam, and when the troops got back home, they were not respected, uh, and they were not supported. And I'm afraid that if we pull out before the job is done, one, we're going to have to deal with the problem again, but also our boys that have been over there fighting will not receive the gratitude that they so richly deserve. Thank you, George, for that call. You know, Ted Kennedy has said that Iraq is George Bush's Vietnam. And what's interesting to me is that Kennedy seems destined to replay uh, the old liberal role here again in Vietnam, and that is to to begin to undermine the war effort um, in, in, in the, the kind of a way that uh, minimizes the service these these men have offered to their country in combat. I think he's he's making the mistake of Vietnam by um, saying we've got to pull out now. You know, you can't disagree with the idea that there will be a time when we'll be able to bring troops home. But the idea of telegraphing when that will be, I think, completely defeats the purpose that we're there for. And it undermines what we're trying to do there. And it's just not smart. And these candidates are all, you know, they're they're trying to set a time, uh, whether it's a year from now or two years from now, to say this is when we're coming home. What is the point? We might as well come home now if we're going to say when we're coming home. Yeah, And, you know, everybody wants the troops to come home. But why isn't Clinton, Obama, and Biden, why aren't they saying out of Germany by March 31st? We're still in Germany. Why, why don't they say Korea. Why, uh, out of Korea, March 31st? Why don't they say that? And um, they seem very inconsistent to me on this point. John, Don on the line from Louisville. Don, thank you for calling. You're on the air. Uh, thank you, Dr. Johnson. Um, I've listened to your comments about Obama, Clinton, and... Biden, well, see, Biden. this way, this war has been on for more than three years. We have to end it sometime. And without putting a deadline, we'll never know when to start to stop it. So everybody has the right to put up their own ideas about when to end the war, because we cannot fight this war forever. Thank you for allowing me to make my comments. Thank you, John. I think, you know, everybody has the right to their own opinion. Uh, but nobody has the right to their own facts. And someone is right and someone is wrong about this. And I think it's a new approach, a novel approach, uh, and a very naive approach in terms of war to say that we're going to set a date. I don't know anybody in the history of uh, warfare that has adopted that kind of approach. If Abraham Lincoln would have adopted that approach in the Civil War, uh, it would have been a disaster it, during the American Revolution. That would have been an absolute disaster. And um, you do it till the job is done. President Bush said, we will not tire. We will not falter. We will not fail. Everybody applauded. Congress gave him the authority to uh, engage using force in Iraq. And the very people who voted for that now 
are trying to backtrack and say we've got to cut and run. Obama did, you know, he said, as we mentioned in the first uh, beginning of the program, he voted against the war authorization, so he's at least consistent. The other two, Hillary and Joe Biden, voted for it. Now they're trying to take a position, and I think most of it, especially uh, with Hillary, is because she thinks that Congress was turned over to the Democrats because of the war, and that now she needs to take a position against it, even though she voted for it. All right, we've got callers on the line. I think it's Diane. Diane, thank you for calling. You're on the air. Oh, thank you for taking the call. And you said most of my points just a minute ago. The people who voted for the war now want us to say we're leaving. And like Bush said, we'll leave when the job is done, or we'll be fighting them over here again. I think the uh, the question is stupid to say, hey, you know, we're going to fight you until so and so date, and then after that, you can whoop up on us again. You know, Diane, I think uh, these these candidates, uh, Obama, Hillary, Biden, um, if they think a commander in chief can say one day to his forces, uh, go to war, fight, engage the enemy the next day. Oh, come back, pull back. We're out of this thing. Uh, I don't think they're fit to be commander in chief. If that's the approach they're going to take. We've got Sharon on the line from Dallas. Sharon, thank you for calling. What's your view? Hi, I just wanted to uh, share that I, I do not agree with Senator Biden or anyone who's setting a date, but I think the underlying issue is they have different objectives than President Bush does. His objective is to finish what he started, which was to protect America from any future attacks. And I think their objective is to just get out. And so with those two objectives being, they, they, just, they don't match, so they can set those dates because their objective is just to get out and not to win. Thank you. I think there could be another objective here, and that is to be elected president of the United States. What do you think, Penna? Well, yeah, uh, that's definitely an objective. Now, Joe Biden is considered a quote-unquote quote, expert. He's chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, and his overall goal is to divide Iraq into three basic sections, the Kurds, the Shiites, and the Sunnis, and to move people around, which is to me is just impossible and would be logistically difficult. But he's got some interesting comments about the other two. He says he'll Hillary's position is calibrated, confusing, and a very bad idea. He also talked about John Edwards, which we didn't mention. He says he doesn't know what he's talking about, and he's pushing a recipe for Armageddon in the Middle East. That's true. Uh, He says Barack Obama is offering charming but insubstantial fluff. All of them are playing politics. He's right. He's right Mm. on there. We've got Harry on the line from Dallas. Harry, you've got about 30 seconds. What's your thought? Uh, Quickly, thank you for taking my call. I have three points I really want to make as far as this uh, is. Try one. Okay. One is, I believe those that want us to pull out, they're not doing it because they really care about the matter. It's just uh, an attack against Bush sent us to war in the first place. You know, not because they see we're pulling out as something that will be in the best interest of this country. You know, it's just something to pull out there. Hey, if you vote me, I will get us back out. Thank you, Harry. I think your point is right on. It's a shame to me that everybody talked about bipartisanship after 9-11. And um, they say, they claim, the Bush critics now, the war critics now, that uh, he blew all the support he had. He had this momentum and uh, all this goodwill nationally, and, and he botched it. When he did what they voted, uh, he could do to use force in Iraq. 
They changed. He did not change. President Bush has never changed his approach from 9-11 until today. It's those Democrat congressmen that have changed their viewpoint, and the Democrat senators as well. When we come back, terrorist plot in London and in America. We'll talk to an expert about it. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. All right, while the politicians are debating the war in Iraq, using it as a political football, the terrorists continue to plot. Here's a report from London. The ninth person was arrested almost half a day after the pre-dawn raids that netted the other eight suspects in Birmingham. Assistant Chief Constable David Shaw of the West Midlands Police calls it just the foothills of a major investigation. This remains a dynamic, fluid operation, and this is by no means finished. Police say the suspects were plotting a terrorist abduction. News reports in Britain say the suspects planned to kidnap and behead a British Muslim soldier, then broadcast the whole thing on the Internet. Sky News reports the targeted soldier now has police protection. Melissa Gray, London. And uh, thank you, Melissa. We uh, now have a great guest on the line with us. He is Mike Lacona, and uh, Mike uh, put a uh, put an article up on the Baptist Press. Uh, website, and you can go there by going to bpnews.net. It's a first person, and I think if you just put in Lycona uh, in the search, you'll be able to find it. But he is Director of Apologetics and Interfaith Evangelism for the Southern Baptist North American Mission Board. Mike, thanks for being with us. Well, thanks, Penna. Good evening to both of you. We just reported on this terror plot in uh, London, and we've been making the point on the program that if we don't deal with terrorism and Islamofascism where it is in the Middle East, it's going to come to us. Uh, we're seeing that uh, in Great Britain, aren't we? We certainly are. You know, years ago, of course, uh, Muslims were coming back and forth there for uh, work, and a lot of them settled in into Europe. Uh, we see it in France. We see it in Great Britain and Germany. And it's um, the the Muslim populations in there are very vocal. Um, many members, not all, but many members within those communities are radical and stirring up the youth and the students of that community to be uh, quite violent against Western civilization and, and their thoughts and their rhetoric. And then we see terrorist attacks. Mike, that's why I find it very interesting uh, to see the results of this poll that was taken last spring that says, uh, first of all, that 28% of 1,000 British Muslims that were polled want to see Great Britain become an Islamic state. Does that surprise you? I don't know if that surprises me. I guess it doesn't really surprise me now. Um, when I first read it, did it surprise me? I don't, I don't recall. Um, that's a scary thought, though, isn't it? This is uh, the issue that you've addressed in the piece. Uh, it also says that 68% uh, held that Brits who insult Islam should be arrested and prosecuted. And I think when you have people that where majorities believe that, you have this sort of politically uh, correct environment where it becomes very difficult then to, for instance, foil terror plots. And to me, it's amazing that this is actually happening, that they're catching these guys. Well, Penna, I think you're right there. Um, it's good that we have good law enforcement, undercover people, good surveillance, um, that we have laws in place that allow us to, or at least Great Britain as well as the U.S., in order to in investigate and try to locate these, uh, these terrorists. Because it is quite scary to see how many um, think that. And I'm sure um, 
if we did a, a poll in the United States, while the figures may not be as high, we would see a significant number of Muslims who probably would like to see an Islamic state in our country. This is Jerry Johnson Live. We're talking to Michael Lacona of the North American Mission Board. Uh, Michael, let me talk to you about something else. We've, we're talking about the war on terror, and I've always been concerned about that phrase because terror is simply a technique in war. I mean, imagine if we would have said in, in World War II, uh, this is a war on Blitzkrieg. Well, it wasn't a war on Blitzkrieg. It was a war on Nazi fascism. Or we would have said, uh, this is a war on the kamikazeism. Uh, it wasn't. It was a war against Japanese imperialism. Here's my question for you. Do you see this as a war on the notion against the concept of Islamic jihad? Now, I want to ask you this. Is jihad a fundamental tenet of Islam? And is jihad behind what we're calling the war on terror? Mm, that's a great question. Dr. Johnson, I want, to, I want to just confess I am not an expert on Islam. Um, I have debated Muslims on university campus setting on a couple of occasions, and um, we, we, you know, it, it's been a lot of fun. We've had good exchanges. Um, I debate mainly on historical Jesus, and um, what we can know about the fate of Jesus. Was he crucified and, and resurrected, or was he rescued by God and uh, saved from death, as the Quran teaches? Um, but my understanding of Islam, um, as I read through the early biographies of Muhammad, that would be the earliest Islamic literature uh, written on the Prophet Muhammad, as well as the Hadith, the earliest traditions of Muhammad, it just seems to me as I read through those stories that, uh, and the accounts of Muhammad and what he did and the approach he took, that it is very closely resembles what we see with terrorism today in this Muslim terrorist. It does not resemble um, what more of the peaceful uh, Muslim community would be like. Mm. Um, I, I would contend that if Muhammad saw the Islamic communities in North America today and in Western civilization that are calling for peace and to live in harmony, um, he wouldn't recognize that as being part of, his, um, of the religion he started. You know, I agree with you. I don't think... Islam is a religion of peace, historically, and I don't think Sharia law is compatible with democracy. But I want to go to the heart of the issue, because you've talked about Jesus and Muhammad. Let's just talk about that for a moment. Um, would you compare, or maybe I should say contrast, Jesus as the pivotal figure of Christianity with Muhammad, the pivotal figure in Islam? Well, I think for perhaps uh, since we're talking about terrorism and violence, um, Jesus was quite different in his approach than Muhammad. Uh, Jesus was uh, that you don't pick up arms um, against another. Yes, he used the sword analogy or story at one point about taking a sword with them, but obviously he didn't want them to use that. And in fact, on the one occasion that it was used during his arrest in the garden, he told Peter to put the sword down because those who live by the sword will die by the sword. Um, there was no violence that was used in Christianity. It was not uh, love. Love was to be the key to win others over. That is the way Jesus acted, um, and that's the way his followers were supposed to spread the message through love. Um, on the other hand, when you, you see that when Muhammad got his, his um, army together, um, he started attacking. And um, he'd go into places to spread Islam, and if you didn't uh, uh, embrace Islam, you were either taxed um, and 
made a second or third class citizen, if not enslaved, or you were killed. So this is completely different in the approaches in spreading the message. So the way the two religions started, so to speak, was uh, Muhammad got his foothold when he finally got some military victories under his belt, and Jesus really got traction when he died on a cross and rose again. That's a big difference. That is a big difference. And what is a little concerning is Muslims are very peaceful when they're in the minority. Um, it's, but when they start to get um, a significant number where they can get some political weight behind them, then you see uh, the Islamic communities become a lot more vocal, a lot more radical, um, and, and the rhetoric increases. So this past, um, I think it was August, the beginning of August of, of last year, there were some um, protests in Dearborn, Michigan, with uh, uh, a good, uh, robust Muslim turnout. And there were chants that, uh, that were anti-American, anti-Israel, and pro-Hezbollah. That's really scary, and um, uh, that's what happens, I guess, when... I, I'm not saying that all the... I wouldn't at all suggest that all Muslims in our country are that way. Not at all. Many of them are peaceful. They don't like what they see in Islam. I think that's almost a positive, because... Many are looking at the gospel and Christianity as a result. But it's these others, the radicals, that we're hearing and which are um, pressuring the governments to uh, accommodate them. We see these atmospheres in Great Britain and also in uh, Islamic strongholds like Dearborn, Michigan. Mike Lycona with the Southern Baptist North American Mission Board. Thanks for your wisdom today and thanks for being with us. Hey, thanks for having me. God bless you all. Folks, this terror plot that was uh, unveiled in England today is uh, just one more in a long line of foiled plots over there, and some that haven't been pl- uh, foiled. Uh, they were going to uh, kidnap the soldier and behead him, and they were going to film this and play this on the Internet or anywhere else they could get play, Al Jazeera, wherever it might be. And uh, these Muslims in England are doing honor killings in some neighborhoods. They're operating under Sharia law. Uh, The women are keeping their faces covered, um, and the women are being mistreated. Uh, We're not going to have uh, equality for women if uh, the Muslims take over uh, the culture, whether it's in England or in the United Mm -hmm. States. I want us to listen again to Prime Minister of Great Britain, Tony Blair, on how immigrants to Great Britain, whether they're Muslims or not, they need to integrate and assimilate. Our tolerance is part of what makes Britain Britain. So conform to it or don't come here. We don't want the hate mongers, whatever their race, religion or creed. All right. Well, they have a beehive of activity over there in Great Britain, and they don't know what to do about it. They have so many of these Muslims that have come in and they are dominating certain neighborhoods and the police will not even go into these neighborhoods uh, to enforce British law. They are afraid of going in. Uh, for fear of stirring it up, as we've seen in France. You think we need to fight uh, the terrorists in this country or in the Middle East? I vote for the Middle East. I vote against some of those Democrat presidential candidates. General Tommy Franks says if we leave before the job is done, they will follow us back to the United States. He's been on the field of battle there. I trust Tommy Franks. What do you think about it? The number is 800-881-9270, 800-881-9270. When we come back, 
We will profile Obama, Biden, and Hillary for president. Also, some Republicans. We've got Romney. We've got Brownback. We're going to zip through the field when we come back. If you're looking for a college experience that is distinctively Christian, come to Criswell College. Contact us today for information about the upcoming term. Criswell College places a strong emphasis on the Word of God, a Christian worldview, and being an effective witness to a world that needs Jesus Christ. Criswell College is totally committed to the Bible as the authoritative, inspired, and inerrant Word of God to ensure that every student receives a solid biblical and doctrinal foundation. Our worldview approach to ministry prepares every Criswell College student to view each academic discipline through a Christian frame of reference and to engage our culture and the world of ideas from a Christian perspective. Along with his word and worldview emphasis, each Criswell College student gets hands-on ministry training in missions and evangelism to be an effective witness through mission trips at home and abroad. Contact Criswell College today for information about the upcoming term. Call 1-800-899-0012 or on the web go to criswell.edu. That's chriswell.edu. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. The time for waiting in Iraq is over. The days of our open-ended commitment must come to a close. And the need to bring this war to an end is here. It's here because he's running for president of the United States, and it makes for a good soundbite. That's my view. This is a very cynical strategy of announcing that now is the time. Why? Because now is the time to announce that I'm running for president of the United States. That's Barack Obama, senator. He also said his plan is the best way to get Iraq to be responsible for his own, its own security. In a civil war where no military solution exists, this redeployment remains our best leverage to pressure the Iraqi government to achieve the political settlement between its warring factions that can slow the bloodshed and promote stability. He said in a civil war where no military solution exists. I challenge the premise of that statement. In the American Civil War, a military solution existed. In uh, the English Civil War, a military solution existed. In most civil wars, actually, a military solution does exist. And so I challenge that premise. But Obama is actually being challenged from folks in his own party. And there's a kind of a weird um, endorsement, maybe criticism, of Obama from Senator Joe Biden. Get this. I mean, you got the first sort of mainstream African-American yeah. who is articulate and bright and, and, and clean and nice-looking guy. I mean, it's, that's a storybook, man. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Biden said the first African-American who is articulate, bright, clean, clean, and nice looking. What about uh, Bill Cosby, Colin Powell, J.C. Watts, Clarence Thomas? I wonder how Jesse Jackson and Al Sharpton feel about this. Uh, this is just weird to me. It's patronizing. 
And I think uh, Biden's taking a lot of heat for this. He put his foot in his mouth on the very first day. Unfortunately, he was trying to be gracious and actually give a, a little bit of a compliment to his opponent. And he sort of messed it up today, I think, Dr. Johnson. Could anybody be more articulate than Alan Keyes, whom we've had on this program, who's run for president of the United States, who happens right. to be black? And I think... Colin um, Powell. Absolutely. Just strange altogether. But folks, you may wonder, why are we on this? I mean, it's two years out because um, I just happen to believe that Christians should get their information on the hot candidate for president of the United States somewhere besides Oprah and um, the cover of People magazine. You need to hear these sound bites. You need to think about them critically from the Christian worldview. And of course, this because there's a, there's a concern about Obama's link to Islam? Did Hillary link that information? Did the Hillary camp uh, leak the um, Barack Obama Muslim Mm -hmm. connection? He went to a Muslim school, a madrasa. He had a Muslim father and stepfather, and Mm. uh, that has been out there, and you got to wonder if Hillary's been kind of camping on that a little bit, or at least uh, leaking it. A strategic leak. Mm -hmm. We've got Bob on the line from Terrell. Bob, what do you think about all this? Yes, Dr. Johnson, I think we need to put one thing in focus. We were attacked on September the 11th. Yes. Then, we need to stay in Iraq. I don't care about separating Iraq into different factions. We need to stay in Iraq and stay there until we win the war to put a message to Nasrallah, Ahmadinejad, and all the other terrorist leaders to show them one thing. We're Americans. And we're, we don't stand, we will not stay, and we will not walk away until we have one thing to show you. We're going to make you on your knees and beg us to leave. And that's going to put a message to the uh, Islamic people that come to America. If you think you're going to come to America and push us around, buddy, you got one thing in to come. we got police force that we're going to stand by, and we're going to show you who's boss. All right, Bob, we got the idea, I think. Thanks for your call. And I think Bob is on track in this regard. Uh, if you study Islam historically, they understand one thing, and that is force. And uh, that is, by the way, the meaning of the word Islam is submission, submission to Allah. And, of course, uh, they really want the West to submit to Sharia law, to submit to a new caliphate. That is their global, worldwide strategy. That is the end game. That's what Saddam Hussein wanted to be. Uh, And that's what um, Ahmadinejad uh, wants to happen. He wants uh, a new kind of a a crescent rule um, from the Middle East, reaching all the way to the United States and to the West. We've got Joel on the line from Little Elm. Joel, you're on the line. Johnson, I think Bob pretty much said what I was going to say, but my thought was the American people may need to accept that the war on terror may never end. The only way uh, to kill cockroaches is constant extermination. And uh, the idea you expressed about Islam wanting to force something on us, the only thing we can do is fight force with greater force and keep it from coming here. You you know, one thing those presidential candidates are not addressing, and that is the fact that there's a switch in strategy right now from the administration that is meant to go in and lessen the influence of the Iranian-backed terrorists in Baghdad and other areas. It's a a major shift, and it very well could work, but instead they want to pull out. 
All right, folks, we're going to have to get to the rest of these presidential candidates later. We've got uh, Biden. We have Hillary Clinton. We have uh, Brownback. We have Romney. More to come uh, later this week. But uh, we really need to think about this subject according to the Christian worldview. Is this a war on terror, on terrorism? I say no. It's a, that's a technique. This is no more a war on terror or terrorism than World War II was a war on Blitzkrieg or Kamikaze. Those were techniques. World War II was about a war on Nazi fascism, Japanese imperialism. And this is a war against Islamic Jihad. And that is a fundamental tenet of Islam. If you look at the Koran, you study Islam historically, Jihad is a fundamental tenet of Islam. And terrorism is undergirded by this fundamental tenet of jihad. We have to wake up and smell the coffee. This war may not end in the next month, the next year, the next two years, the next ten years. This is going to be a long struggle uh, worldwide. And um, we're going to have to stay the course. And I've said it before. I'll say it again. The Bible says in Romans chapter 13 that the government minister is um, in authority as a representative of God to wield the sword, to execute justice, to execute vengeance against those who kill those who do evil. That's what the president's doing. That's what our military forces are doing. They're trying to protect us. But ultimately, the good news of Jesus Christ is the greatest weapon as we evangelize and convert the Muslims from the darkness to the light of Jesus Christ and the gospel. Kirby Anderson tomorrow and Friday. You've been listening to Jerry Johnson Live, a Christian worldview radio show. Join Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m. for an hour of relevant discussion of news and culture from a Christian perspective.